Today I'll be sharing our sermon for Sunday, August the 22nd, 2021 at Forest Lake United Methodist Church. The sermon will be entitled, A New Thing. But first, let me share about our upcoming series. I want to invite you to tune in to our series on A Thinking Person's Guide to Faith. On August 29th, the sermon will be Science, Religion, and the Rationality of God. On September 5th, When Christians Get It Wrong. September 12th, Making Sense of the Bible. September 19th, The Love of God and the Logic of Hell. And then September 26th, God and Suffering. Now these sermons are designed for people that perhaps have given up on church or have been hurt by the church or or just think it's no longer relevant. We want to invite you to listen and see if perhaps there is still a way to connect with the God who loves us so deeply. So A Thinking Person's Guide to Faith beginning August 29th. That's next Sunday. But for now, let's get to today's sermon. Uh, A new thing for August 22nd. Our text is Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let us pray. Almighty God, we could use something new. In the midst of pandemic and political unrest, our world seems to be coming apart at the seams. Lord, do something new among us. Remind us of what's important and help us to lean forward into what's coming. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. I'm disappointed. I've got to admit it. Today is not the celebration that I dreamed about. I've had August the 22nd circled on my calendar for months. Uh, I wrote the plan for our return to full in-person ministry, and I couldn't wait for today. Uh, this is the day the crowds were coming back. All of our Forest Lake family was going to be here for worship today. You were going to bring your friends and your neighbors with you. I looked forward to the laughter of children in our hallways. I couldn't wait to see our classrooms bustling with life. I expected to see smiles on your unmasked faces as we joyfully sang our hymns out openly. Uh, I hope to be through with the blasted ropes that we use for social distancing. Today, we would greet one another with joyful hugs. I remember the excitement of that dream, and today I'm just disappointed. Now, I'm not blaming anyone. Our leaders have done the best that they could to keep us safe. They've done a remarkable job, and I'm so thankful for their wisdom and their dedication. With God's help, they are making wise decisions that put the safety of our community and of our people above our desire for celebration. We're doing what we need to do to protect not only Forest Lake folks, but the Tuscaloosa community as a whole. We don't want to be a part of the problem. We want to do no harm. I'm not mad. I'm sad. I'm grieving our loss of this part of our life that's so important to us. Sunday morning for the highlight of our week, and I'm grieving the loss. We share that feeling of grief, grief with Isaiah's original audience. This part of Isaiah was written to Jews who were being held captive in Babylon. They had lost virtually everything. 
Now, the Jews living in Judah believed that their country would last forever. God had promised that David's descendants would always be on the throne in Judah, that Jerusalem would be forever protected. And so, and they believed that. They believed that because God lived in Jerusalem, because God's house was in Jerusalem, the temple, that nothing could ever happen to them, that they were protected by God's providence and by God's sovereignty forever. It wasn't to be the case. They lost everything. Uh, Babylonia came in and destroyed Jerusalem. They tore down the walls, one stone from top of the other. The temple, God's house, was destroyed. Foreigners, enemies of Judah, destroyed the house where Judah believed that God lived. Sacrifice was a central part of their worship, and it could only happen in the temple. At least for us, we have the opportunity to worship wherever we are. We can worship in our homes. We can listen to this podcast in our backyard or walking down our street and have worship. But for for Israel, the most important part of worship was sacrifice. It was a central part of worship. And, and sacrifice could only happen in the temple in Jerusalem. With the temple destroyed they lost out on their most important act of worship, no sacrifice. They were left wondering if God had forgotten them or if God was really even God at all. Maybe the Babylonian gods were bigger and stronger than Judah's God. Maybe God just deserted them. Had God lied to them about always protecting Judah? Those were the questions that just weighed heavily on them. Can't you sense their frustration? Maybe we felt some of those sorts of things. God, how could you let this happen to us? We've tried to be faithful, God. Why have you done this to our worship? Why are our friends dying? Why are good people passing away? Will we ever sing our songs of joy again? Is there any hope? We're obviously disappointed with our current situation. The Jews were beyond disappointed. As bad as it is for us, it must be much worse for them. I think back to the terror and the horror of 9-11, seeing the Twin Towers fall down, and I remember the national shock that we endured. But that was one building in one part of a very big nation. Jerusalem saw their whole nation destroyed. You could take our shock and horror of 9-11 and multiply it probably a hundred times and only begin to approach what the Jews were experiencing. They were beyond disappointed. And it's to that crowd, to that enslaved, desperate, depressed crowd that God spoke. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Well, honestly, no, I don't see it. I saw what I thought was a light at the end of the tunnel. It turned out to be an oncoming train. I thought we were through with our time of trial and testing, only to see us right back where we were. And so I'm having a hard time seeing the new thing that God is doing. But still, there's a glimmer of hope. I still believe God is up to something. In their darkest hour, God promised restoration to the Jews. When all seemed hopeless, 
God said there will be streams in the desert. There will, there will be a road in the wilderness. Now, what he's talking about is a pathway from Babylon back to Judah, uh, that God is going to pave a road in the wilderness for them to go from Babylon back to Jerusalem. That's the promise. And it's in those dreams of restoration that they conceived the possibility of a coming Messiah. So the the New Testament pro, the New Testament fulfillment of prophecy that we see in Jesus was dreamed up during captivity. While these folks were being held captive, the prophets came and they said, God will send another Messiah, another anointed one like David to restore us. Their destruction gave them hope that God would send a savior. In their pain is the very root of our faith. Christianity was born out of the sorrow of captivity. God did do something new. It's not what they imagined. They couldn't have, they could not have foreseen that God was going to put on flesh and come live among us, but they began to hope for that. They began to hope for what they could not yet understand because of the desperate situation in which they found themselves. Christianity is born out of that sorrow. And God is still working, still creating, still shaping what will be. And we don't know yet. What we have seen is not all that God is capable of. The pandemic has stripped so much away from us in the last year and a half. Important stuff. We've lost our weekly worship as, we're, as we were used to it. We have lost the ability to share one cup and one loaf in Holy Communion. Our choir has not been in the, in the chancel. We've not had the passing of the peace. In these and so many other ways, we have lost things that were vitally important to us. And in many ways, it only accelerated what was already coming. Our culture was already losing interest in organized religion. The fastest growing religious group in our country now is the unaffiliated. Uh, less than half of Americans are actively involved in worship even before the pandemic. Our culture is already losing interest in organized religion. Sustaining institutional ministry was already getting harder and harder. We're using more and more of our resources just to meet our overhead. The pandemic has forced us to look at our mortality, at our institutional mortality. Will church, as we've always done it my whole life, survive that much longer? We don't know. But losing almost everything invites us to consider what is really important. What is essential? What do we have to have to be the church? What are the non-negotiables for us? Well, I don't know that I've got a complete list, but I know that my list would include these things. It includes love for God. Uh, that regardless of what happens to the institution, that God's people will still need the opportunity to express love for God in corporate worship in the same room, uh, whether that room is a sanctuary like ours or whether it's a restaurant or whether it's someone's living room, we will still get together and share our love for God. It will also be shared though online around the city and around the world. Uh, almost every Sunday we have uh, we have folks that are joining us from beyond Tuscaloosa and even beyond our own borders. Uh, a quick shout out to our missionary in Chile who listens almost every Sunday morning. 
Uh, so our ministry is expanding. People are worshiping with us that live far from us. And our love for God will continue in private moments of devotion as well. So love for God is essential, and it will continue. Pandemic cannot take that away. Our love for others will also be an essential. Uh, it will show up in new and emerging expressions of care. We are finding new ways to take care of one another, and that's only going to increase. So love for God and love for others will still be a part of worship. It will still be the core of worship. What do we have to have? More importantly, maybe, what can we release? As we move into our post-pandemic time eventually, as the church has shifted, uh, what can we turn loose of in order to travel more lightly and to reach more people? Perhaps some of what was making us comfortable was also holding us back. Maybe we need to turn loose of some things that are sacred cows that have been friendly to us, but we need to set them free so that we can be available for more people. Over half of our, over half of our society has given up on organized religion. Maybe God's doing a new thing that will retool and re-equip the church to maybe get outside of our walls and go to where the people are and offer God's love and grace to people who perhaps have given up on God. God is still doing a new thing. We're not going back. That's really not even possible, is it? We can never go back. Our only option is to go forward. So let's move forward together with hope and faith and assurance of what God will do to spread God's grace throughout our community and beyond. Amen.